Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Podcast. After, after all, it's been more than a few days. We were supposed to have it on Monday, and I apologize about that. Weather, uh, well, weather. Uh, being under the weather kind of kept me down, and I wasn't able to actually do the podcast, and I apologize for that for anybody who was waiting. But my name is Steve. I'm your host, and my co-host is Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, everyone. Are we ready for this discussion? We are. We're Tonight we're going to be armchair booking what we're calling the ending of kayfabe because in case people don't know what kayfabe is or was, the art of protecting the business, really. You know, there are actual definitions, dictionary definitions for the word. But that's what we're saying is it's the art of protecting the business back when the, everything about the business was supposed to be made real. Everything was a shoot. Nothing was work. And what you saw was supposedly what was really going on. But we're going to take care of some preliminaries, and it's more preliminaries before we actually start the show. So if anybody would like to get a hold of us, if you want to call in live, and this is definitely – an episode where we not only recommend it, we welcome it, we encourage it. Want to call in? It's area code three one nine five two seven six zero eight nine. If you ever want to email us, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook dot com slash armchairbookingpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at bookingarmchair. You can find us our archives at iHeartRadio. You can find us at Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. And Spotify. Have I forgotten anything, Kyle, as far as contacting us? As far as contacts, I think you've covered everything. Awesome. And another shout-out I want to give out really quick to wrestler. She's a local indie wrestler here in the Cincinnati area, Mean Selena Dean. She has a fun a GoFundMe fundraiser to help with her mom's medical bills. Her mom is fighting breast cancer. And you can go to GoFundMe.com. And you look for the Best Mom Fund FU Cancer, and you should be able to find it like that. And if you still can't find it, just let me know, and I will send you the link. We are always hoping to help out with that because uh, I know it's affected me, and I know it's definitely affected Kyle. And this is a horrible disease, and we're, we wish to eradicate it. So, Kyle, any comments on that? Uh, just supporting an independent wrestler and how she's helping out her family and continuing with her craft. You know, as yep. wrestling fan, you want up-and-coming wrestlers to continue to make it in the business, and she needs to support her mom. And we also want to give our condolences to all those who knew and loved uh, Pat Patterson one of the greatest wrestling minds ever. Some people say, arguably say he was the greatest mind wrestling mind ever. And they say the second most influential person in wrestling behind Vince McMahon. And unfortunately he passed away last week of lung cancer and he's left a big hole in the business. And just even think about it now, I mean, makes me sad. And if you have not heard Bruce Pritchard talk about it on his podcast, you should really go give it a listen, but just warning you, I mean, it will hit you right in the feels. What do you think about 
Uh, you you heard it too, didn't you, Kyle? It was a a, a rough ep- episode to listen to, but uh, you could tell the the friendship and the admiration there of what he did for for him and his life, and how he obviously backstage stories of how they contributed to the business and some of the wonderful pranks that they pulled uh, working together. Oh, the story, what he was talking about, hanging the Hulk Hogan little plush doll off the side of the WWE headquarters building behind Vince, um, while Vince McMahon was in his office. That story, I mean, I about fell out of I was at work listening to it, and I almost fell out of my chair laughing. And I, I had that record, buddy. I got a kick out of that story. <laughs> so, um, and we do also want to give a congratulations to um, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins on the birth of their little baby girl. So if anybody knows them, yeah, pass along our congratulations, too, and make, make them actually say, who? Armchair Ooh. what? Armchair Ooh. booking? So. Ooh. 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 And my last shout out, and this is to my co-host, Kyle. Um, Kyle, you want to tell everybody what you accomplished this past So Kyle has been uh, training for a powerlifting meet that occurred over the weekend. I ended up losing right around 53 pounds in six months during COVID with a trainer who has been helping me and teaching me. And I won the 275 weight class for my age group at the West Virginia State Powerlifting Championships and uh, also won the veterans division while I was down there. So, just trying to accomplish some things during COVID and teach teach my young child about setting a goal and working working hard to achieve it. Very admirable, so, and I'm very proud to call you my friend, Kyle. Thank you, sir. And and I say that because I'm pretty uh, sure, but during this podcast, we're. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably not going to be here. <laughs> so I am going to start off by just basically reading what I posted about the podcast. And whenever you download the podcast, or if you're actually on Watch Talk Radio right now listening to it live, um, hello, thank you. We appreciate your support. But let's see, in 1989, Vince had admitted to the New Jersey Athletic Commission that professional wrestling had predetermined outcomes and should not be held to the guidelines of athletic commissions, including their monetary fees. This week we discuss kayfabe, how it has realistically ended, although it still seems to appear periodically, and the effects of it ending, both positive and negative. And this should be an interesting discussion with a little bit of a history lesson. But Kyle, since I know you're extremely passionate about this subject, I'm going to let you go ahead and begin. So I'm going to argue that the admission that wrestling was a performance art or sports entertainment did not kill wrestling. I'm going to argue that the lack of characters 
and poor storytelling killing wrestling. Kayfabe is a term that wrestlers use to maintain the integrity of the business. Would we agree agree about that? I integrity, yeah. Yeah, protecting the business. And it's not used as much now. Oh, there there are some territories and there are some interviews where they still treat it um like it's a um like it's a shoot, like a better term. Some interviews I've heard where they are treated as Cape interviews, which is fine. I mean, it's still promoting. I mean, they're trying to promote their upcoming events and the upcoming matches and the feuds, and with, that's cool. Uh, some of the things you'll see on Twitter and other social media platforms, they're doing the same thing. They're maintaining the kayfabe, and that's fine. But, and I don't really know. One thing I will disagree on, um, I don't think wrestling has ended and because if you look at it, the industry right now is still strong. It's not as strong as what it was even a year ago. And we can blame part of that on, on COVID, but even two years ago, it was starting to wane anyway. But that's to your point of the product they're putting out is actually causing people to turn away. And it's the cookie cutter matches and Every match has the same spots over and over again. You have the weak-looking suicide dive through the ropes. You have the the jump either over the top rope or off the top rope to the outside where everybody just happens to be huddled up where they can catch them. It's things like that, and which that's hurting the business. However, if you really look at how the business is now compared to what it was even in 1989, just a little over 30 years ago, the wrestlers themselves in the bigger organizations, I'm not going to say everywhere, but the wrestlers themselves are actually, it seems like they're better off monetarily wise and somewhat with the companies taking care of them, even though you may hear some disagreements there. So I won't disagree that financially, especially the WWE is better off than they've ever been at the expense of the wrestlers who are not getting enough of a cut. But the storytelling, today, wrestling is made up by writers and performed by wrestlers who have never been in a fight. Well, <laughs> that's wild to think of somebody never being in a fight before. So tell me, I, I've been in many fights on the winning and losing end. At yeah, no the first, time, I'd say the first time we ever met each other, we almost got in a fight. Yeah. But that's, a story, <laughs> that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, at no time did I ever try to dive off something into a group of six people to win a fight. The 
these wrestling is different than what we grew up with because it's all about hitting spots. It's not about telling the story or a unique match. Who's today's best wrestler, character, or storyteller? Who would you who would you say? Best wrestler? Right now, I'm kind of leaning towards, uh, in the WWE, um, AJ Styles, uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, and actually, they, they can both, they, they're both pretty decent storytellers as well. Uh, Roman Reigns, because I've never been big on Roman's wrestling ability, even though he definitely gets over and he is absolutely fantastic as a heel. They should have done it with him a long time ago because, I mean, he's got some the athletic ability. There's not many better than him. And so you said that the rest of us I would say there's as great as AJ and Daniel Bryan are. And I do say Roman Reigns is better as a heel. There is not a good storyteller on the main roster right now because they're not allowed to really tell a story. That's very true. Yeah, you're right. they, They can't tell a story because everything is so formulaic, there's no no real character development. Like, Roman Reigns is good as a heel because what he's putting out there in his heel promos, it's believable. It's who he is. Right now, in, in wrestling, is not on WWE television. It's in AEW. It's Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. He's the one, apparently, he is just making some people mad, you know, as a shoot. That man, (laughs) that man is his gimmick. He is an unlikable, obnoxious weasel in real life. That's who he is. That is what wrestling is supposed to be, a character that is amplified to the 10th degree. And you use that character during your matches and win or lose, MJF tells a story, usually about that, um, his diamond ring. And his character makes you hate him, you will pay to watch him lose. Professional wrestling, that's supposed to be the art. That's what Arn Anderson, Bruce Pritchard, JR, all these podcasts, all these competitors' podcasts, the art of putting a butt in a seat or a buy on a pay-per-view to watch someone win or lose. Not to watch someone do a plancha between the ropes or a suicide dive or 
a triple corkscrew moonsault. Tell me, because uh, I watched Monday Night Raw briefly Monday, and I will admit this in shame. <laughs> <laughs> the only match I have seen on a regular basis it involves Ricochet, who on the Indies was a tremendous wrestler. His WWE matches are the same thing every time he's on television, on the rare occasions he's on television. And I like Ricochet. Um, but you're right. His matches, I mean, and he's spectacular. I mean, he, he's, um, he's got some aerial ability that rivals some of the best ones like a Rey Mysterio or even like a Mil Moscaris back in the day before he was afraid of getting hurt every time he stepped in the ring. But some of the other high flyers like Owen Hart back in his, you know, his younger days when he was first starting and some of the great Japanese wrestlers like a Jushin Liger. And I've liked that. However, seeing it over and over and over again and it kind of reminds me um, one of the times where I actually stopped watching wrestling for a bit, you know, for, for various reasons, but part of it was, okay, you know when this wrestler comes out, they have their spots they're going to do. Yeah, or the way Jim Cornette says, they got to get their stuff in. Well, he says it's something different, but I'm keeping this family friendly. But they, gotta get, they all got to get their stuff in, so that's why they're, they have all this big spot fest. And even AEW... W, I mean, do they? I have to admit, they're guilty of this as well. Last night, I was watching the Young Bucks and uh, the other team. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the other team right now, and that's how sick I've been the past few days, I guess. But the spots look good, but it looked extremely choreographed and rehearsed. And that, to me, when you talk about when they they said, okay. We're going to tell everybody uh, it's now a work. It's no longer a shoot. I think that eventually has evolved to what they have now. So like you said, now they're not trying to put butts in the seats to see somebody get beat or to see somebody win the title that they've been chasing after. Because even you think that this just a few years ago when Daniel Bryan was chasing after the world title at WrestleMania 30, he was the underdog. And right. people wanted to see that, and now here it is. That was just, uh, well, almost seven years ago now. Wow, I can't believe it's been almost seven years ago. And you know, they've gone away from that even now. It, it's Every match looks the same. You know, Every match is going to have that stupid suicide dive through the ropes. I cannot stand that move because it just looks like they're diving out and just kind of pushing them like, uh, and that's it. I'm like, How's that going to hurt anybody? But what does it really bring you know, to the match? And if you're going to do something like that, the first time I ever remember seeing anybody doing something like that was Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull, and he did it, and he jumped over the top rope and landed on somebody. And it wasn't like a dive. I mean, he kind of turned a little bit. So, I mean, it was almost like a flying body press. Boom, he hit him outside the ring, and it was, a, it was kind of evolving into a brutal fight anyway. So it kind of fit. Now they do it every match regardless. And all their movesets are the same. Of course, I think that also comes down to is they're all being trained 
now at the same place. They're all being trained at the Performance Center, all with the same trainers, so they're, so they're all learning the same moves with a few variations here and there to say, okay, you all do the same moves, boom, there's your finishing move. And that's it. And uh, that, I, I would disagree there because most of the top talent did time in the performance center but didn't learn how to wrestle there. The and, top ones. I'm talking well I'm, I guess yeah, I am talking more like the mid card. So and I I will use like you could use Keith Lee. I will go with uh Matt Riddle because I was an MMA fan. Just by the way he speaks Using bro, believe he is doing something with bro nuts right now, and offering bro nuts when he's on television, which uh, is different. And his character, well, we say it's a character. I don't think. It's too far removed from the actual person. Right. But his character was so much more developed in NXT. Comes to the main roster. Now he doesn't have a name. He's Riddle, not Matt Riddle. I can't recall the last time he's won a match. <laughs> Obviously, by his antics, he has pissed off Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, probably others. Oh, Goldberg, they actually have the video footage of Goldberg kind of laying into him some backstage. Verbally. But Verbally, yeah. Matt, trained MMA fighter. Ah, It'd be an interesting battle, but the take Keith Lee is another one. He was limitless in NXT, and he was a survivor on the Survivor Series team last. Well, a year and a month ago, thirteen months ago should have been a star. And what have they done to him? Like, talk about killing someone's momentum when they come up. Poor character development. Poor storytelling. There's no reason to watch. This is why depression that Kayfabe killed wrestling is wrong. Wrestling in its basic form is storytelling. It's supposed to be a male soap opera. Yeah, that's what a lot of people kind of refer to it as. I wouldn't admit I watch wrestling anymore. I will watch old stuff. I may catch snippets 
while I'm changing channels. Um, but wrestling isn't cool right now. What was cool was the Bullet Club in New Japan. The Young Bucks in New Japan. Chris Jericho in New Japan. They made it to Hot Topic. Those shirts were cool. You saw them everywhere. Other than you and your family, do you see a whole lot of wrestling shirts at school right now? Um, I would have to ask my wife or my son. We never saw wrestling shirts when my son was in school. The only one you saw was John Cena. Seen a John Cena shirt on a kid in almost three years. Hey, Kyle, I'm about to kind of make a break in the action real quick. I have to make a kind of a sad announcement. I just got word. And it, it is related to wrestling. Um, Tiny Lister apparently has passed away. Zeus. Yep. Uh, my friend Dwaylon, you know, you've, um, you know who Dwaylon is. You never met him, but, you know, you and Dwaylon would actually get along great. He actually just messaged me and told me that. That is sad. We will most likely know him as Debo from the Friday series or Zeus. And we just talked about him beating up Hulk Hogan not too long ago. We did. And just, I mean, he he was cut. I mean, he he had the muscles, and you thought, you know, he actually could maybe beat Hulk Hogan. And he continued to wrestle even after you know, Holds Barred stuff where they had him uh, wrestling Hogan at SummerSlam. You know, he actually wrestled in Puerto Rico, and he was in Z Gangsta in WCW for a, a little bit. Yeah, but but yeah, he's going to be he's also going to be going to be missed. So, and I, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, Kyle. I mean, I just I had to go ahead and make that announcement. So, yeah, because I just got word. So go ahead with what you were saying. Saying, as far as wrestling, if you go to a house show, you get to see the wrestlers really tell a story and perfect their art. And house shows are great. Independent wrestling is fantastic in my area. We have Maryland Championship Wrestling, which puts on a great show. I know you have the uh, NWF. Yep, the Northern Wrestling Federation. Who also does great shows. Independent wrestling it is a great art, and they're developing characters, and they do different things. So we, we talk about Selena Dean, and when you mentioned her fundraiser, uh, first thing, because I didn't know who she was, you I, go on the, I go on the internet, pull her up, and start watching some of the matches. Then 
the cookie cutter, blonde hair, blue eyed, angelic wrestler. That's her character, small and mean, Selena Dean. But there, I, I sent you a link, by there, the way. I don't know if you saw that. There's names. There's names in WWE. They are trained to look the same. They're all in, in good shape, which is good for their long-term health. But pretty much the same body type pretty much the same haircut, pretty much the same trunks. It's like watching the same thing over and over and over. How many times can you watch that before you want to change the channel? And that's why I stopped watching for a little bit in around, well, 2002 also because um, my daughter was born, which coincidentally, my daughter was born on the day the WWF became the WWE. That was actually something I found out uh, a couple of years ago. But that's you know, beside the point. So however old she is, that's how old the WWE is. So uh, anyway, well, I was also deploying. And, when, of course, when I was deployed, I couldn't really watch it as much. And then there was just some of the storylines that I really didn't care for. I don't want really to get into that, but... Um, but a lot, I was starting to get bored with it anyway because I liked, I liked watching Tajiri. However, Tajiri always had those same spots, and they were kind of cool the first few times you watched them. Then after a while, like, okay, he's being thrown into the ropes. He does a handstand where he hits his back against the ropes but comes back with that elbow. Okay, and he gets him in the corner. Oh, well, now he's going to try – like a Boston crab, but kind of on the ropes where, and they like, call it the tarantula. And you could almost, you knew those spots were going to happen. And that's really a shame for him as well, because if you read about, you know, or look at the other matches that Jerry had before he went to the WWF, WWE, he was doing tremendous stuff in Mexico. He was doing tremendous stuff with ECW. He was doing great stuff, and he goes to the WWE, F E, and they're turning it into a circus act, and that's what people are kind of looking at it. And but I don't think, and really to kind of getting back to the original subject, the ending of kayfabe, I don't think that what happened in 1989 with Vince Man, which was it was a money move, and I get it. Uh, you know, it's a he's a businessman, and why should they pay the athletic commissions when it was not a legitimate? necessarily athletic competition. I get that. You know, I have a I have a master's in business. I get that from a business standpoint. But I think eventually it was going to happen anyway, and this was long before the internet came about because that the magazines, and I know you also had the magazines. And we could see wait a minute, these other territories. So you read about these guys and you'd say, well, wait a minute. These two guys, they were fighting each other in the Mid-Atlantic. Now they're a tag team somewhere else? That doesn't make any sense to me. Or they're this name here, but they're this other name there. And they're a good guy here, but they're a bad guy there. And 
and then it really goes back, and it, that wasn't just like the 80s. I remember when I was in middle school, you know, I was in seventh or eighth grade, and there was this, this one kid my age, you know, and everybody knew me. I was, you know, the guy who liked all the wrestling. He came to me and he's like, hey, he said, my brother has all these old magazines, all these old wrestling magazines, and we don't want them. Do you want them? Sure. And he, there was, I could not tell you how many magazines there were. There were a lot. Big old, big old stack of them. The stack itself was probably about two and a half foot high, you know, when I, when I put them on top of each other. So you can imagine how many magazines there were to make up a stack that high. And they were all from like around 1972 to around 1974. And I'm looking in some of these, and some of these would actually kind of shock you a little bit when you see Greg Valentine's past when he was one of the Fargo brothers. And you, could, you couldn't do this gimmick now, thankfully. They were Nazis. So to see Greg Valentine with a wristband with a swastika on it, that shocked me just a little bit. And, of course, if you see some of the promo, a promo he did against Junkyard Dog in the early 80s, he w- wasn't that far removed from it. But, I mean, I think he was actually being told to say that, too. But it's a pretty nasty promo that should have never happened. Um, and he he, did, he actually didn't sound like he meant it. That's why I'm thinking he was told to say it. But anyway, back to your point of the story. In one of the magazines, I still remember the story for some reason. You knew who the Grand Wizard was. Long-time manager, yeah. right? Well, he was a manager even back you know, in the 70s because when he died in the early 80s, um, I think he died of cancer, but they even said he had been a wrestler and a manager for a very long time. But one of the stories is about him. He was managing the Sheik. He was a longtime manager of the original Sheik. And the Sheik had a feud against a wrestler named Pampero Furpo, who looked like Bruiser Brody, but apparently he was the uh, inspiration for, oh, yeah you know, that Randy Savage did. And so he was managing the Sheik against Pamper Furpo, and, and I know I'm pretty sure I'm butchering his name, so any old-time fans, you know, please let me know how it's supposed to be pronounced. But the article even mentioned that, wait a minute, but he was Pamper Furpo's manager in a totally different territory. And by the way, the same guy, the Grand Wizard, was also known as something like uh, Abdullah Farouk, maybe, and I, I may be getting that all wrong. I have to I'd really have to look that up. I said, well, how can you do that? You know, you're a magic hero. It's all because I'm so talented and I can, I can, I'm able to do that. And thinking, people are going to figure things out. George the Animal Steel was a teacher in Detroit, but he wrestled during the off time, mostly during the summertime, obviously, but he wrestled in New York for the WWF who didn't go to Detroit. So it's thought that, you know, they wouldn't, that they would never cross. But that's, that was also really dependent on people never moving. You know what I'm saying? Don't think, yeah, even though we're, we're, we're saying the ending of kayfabe was in 1989, I think eventually it would have, it would have ended anyway. But some of the things that I see now, 
with wrestling. I I don't know if the level of respect people have for wrestling is the same or if it's gone down or if it's gone up. And I think that really depends on who you're asking. It may have actually leveled off, but some people who had respect for it then don't now because they think maybe they're full. But then other people say, well, these, these guys and girls are still extremely athletic and they're still trying to entertain us. And they're putting their bodies on the line. And so that gets respect from other people. Make sense? It it does, but one, so, I mean, we'll go there. When the performers were no longer considered athletes and managed by the State Athletic Condition, Commission, and they are now entertainers, why are they not part of this Screen Actors Guild? And that's a that's a question that you know yourself has been popping up here lately. Uh, some of them actually are, but it's not because of wrestling. It's because they've been in movies. But they should they should be part of SAG and covered through insurance and all the benefits that other entertainers get one two character wise here is here is the conflict that we did not have as young wrestling fans what you saw on television was the only thing you saw about a character by design very, very rarely except for a hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik. <laughs> yeah. It, it, a wrestler unveiled the curtain. What you have today are characters on television that are poorly developed. And the person who plays the character on the internet, Twitter, Twitch, um, uh, YouTube, whatever, and they are in conflict with one another. And that's where, I, and I really honestly don't know if I want to call that a pro or a con, you know, positive or negative, because it's, well, it's negative in this circumstance. Um, if we go with The Rock as an actor, in the G.I. Joe series, he was one character. In the movie Game Plan, he was a quarterback. In Fast and Furious, he plays um, Hobbs. Etc. 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 So you see him in this character only while you're watching this movie or television show or whatever, and on the internet he is Dwayne Johnson or The Rock. You can't have AJ Styles on television, who's this, this, and this. 
and on the internet or Twitch, he is uh, whatever his real name is. I think it's Alan. There's a conflict. The only there are very few who are real. Xavier Woods being one. He's he's the same through his um, podcast and platforms through social media. It's the same as the divas on the diva show. They can't be this on WWE television. And then they show them as completely different people on the diva show. There is a conflict. The ones who are the same, the Bellas, uh, Natty Nightheart, they are more popular, more appearances, etc. The Bellas with practically huge international stardom. The ones who are not, like Nia Jax, She's a she-beast on television. And then on the diva show, she's nice as can be because that's what she is in real life. There's a conflict. So you can't escape the reality. What you present on television, that's where MJF, where he's the, the great character, that guy is a dick on television. And he is a dick on Twitter. He's the same everywhere you interact with him or you see him. That's who he is. Sorry, uh, somebody sent me a message. So we may have somebody calling in in a couple minutes there, Kyle. Uh, but once once he calls in, then we'll continue with that. Um, one of the things... You know, talking about Vince being a businessman, and this is what kind of led to that was when Vince started trademarking the names. I get why he did it, and I get why they're saying, okay, we own those names. You can't make money off of those names, but he still can't stop them from making money off of – he should not be able to stop them from making money off of their own names. It doesn't matter if they got famous playing a character you know, you don't get you don't you don't see a movie studio telling actors and actresses, by the way, any kind of money you make outside of this, yeah, I'm going to take part of it just because. But what they sign in their contract is their name and their likeness. Is it the likeness that he's throwing up there? It's name, likeness intellectual property so in no way unless the WWE gets their cut in no way can a performer like Paige she is Paige in WWE that is how she got fans but her real name is Soraya that's not what she was on Twitch at even on Twitch's page. So she is getting money off 
her WWE name and WWE is not getting their cut for Vince, and that's why they are not independent contractors. They are employees. Like, you have certain jobs. I don't know about you, but my employer says I cannot make political commentary that would reflect that on them. Hey, Kyle, we have a caller. Hey, guys, how's it going? Is this Jordan? Yes, it is. How are you guys doing tonight? All right, Kyle, can you hear Jordan? I can hear him. How is he? I'm doing really good, guys. I can't complain. How are y'all? I'm doing all right. And this is uh, the first time that Kyle and Jordan have actually had a chance to speak to each other. So I want to introduce you. Kyle, this is Jordan. Jordan, this is Kyle. And <laughs> nice you know, to meet you, Kyle. Jordan. Nice to meet you. And Kyle, Jordan, is, he has been gracious enough that he has hooked us up a couple of times. He's been able to interview me on his podcast, the Jordan Garber Now podcast, which you put out episodes almost every day, dude. <laughs> I get notifications all the time for that. Almost. So we have we have the news update, which you're doing a little less of right now. Um, just kind of lighten my schedule a little bit. But we have a news update at least once a week, and then we have the main podcast every single Friday at 5 p.m. Central, which everyone can listen to tomorrow which is really exciting. We have some great guests on there, like Nico's Rico's and Will All Day, so it should be it should be a great episode for everybody to listen to. And, Jordan, just to give your background some as far as your actual involvement with wrestling, uh, can you tell our listeners uh, kind of – just a kind of brief synopsis, because I know you just got off work and you're you're pretty beat, so I don't want to keep you too long because I don't, I don't want you to uh, they hurt yourself. They beat too much, man. Minutes. They beat me too much. I don't know what to do. <laughs> but no, I can I can give like a little bit of a background and, and like absolutely when I when I talk like this I don't sound negative. Like I'm just uh, I'm drained and that's no one's fault. That's nothing personal. That's just on me. Um, but when it comes to like my involvement in wrestling, it started a long time, like back in 2008, and when my dad started taking me to the shows, and then I started to get more involved through there and. Things started really to pick up around 2013, working for Wrestling Radio Ultimate. My first inter- like, my first ever interview was Chuck Fader in 2008. But I remember interviewing Casey Cardwell in June and then Kid Cash after that. And after those names added up, I started to get more involved. I got to become a referee, so experience things from inside the ring, which is really cool. And then since then, uh, it, it's been on quite a wild ride, that's for sure. Yeah, but that's awesome. And you also did, what is it called, the Northern Canadian Death Tour? Yes, that's correct. In February 2020, I had the honor and privilege to do uh, Tony Cadello's uh, legendary Northern Death Tour, where I almost fell through the ice. And it was uh, it was pretty crazy, man. Uh, it's always good to look back at the venues that you performed at and know that that, that will always be there. Uh, the experience will always be in your uh, memory, and uh, it was really cool. You know, I have some stuff up on my YouTube page for some spots on that tour, and, uh, you know, I, it's uh, hard getting maybe not as roughened up as much as the wrestlers are, but still uh, getting bruised and battered every night and then uh, setting up a ring and driving to the next town maybe as much as 20 to 22 hours. It was uh 
it was one of the most intense experiences I've ever done, and uh, it's made me, I'd say it's made me a stronger person today, but, you know, I have a lot more challenges to overcome, and I look forward to overcoming them. Oh, that's awesome. And if anybody has never heard of this tour, because I actually looked it up, and it does sound brutal. And, Jordan, I think you definitely have to be kind of a man's man to survive that. So you definitely got my respect. Kyle, have you ever looked up this tour that he's talking about? Uh, I've heard stories of the tour, so that's pretty awesome that you've got to do that. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate that. And you guys, too, for reaching out. You know, I wanted to be a podcaster to do it so I can kind of learn some new things and experience how I can put it all to my repertoire. And uh, it's just been great meeting families that, you know, don't have it as good as maybe we do. You know, some people in those uh, shows can't afford to turn the lights on or can't afford to have a meal every night. And it's, it's sad. It really is because uh, there's a lot of things that we take for granted. And sometimes you actually have to physically experience it to know that. Like, I remember the first time I worked for Tony Candelo, like, I slept under a teacher's desk and I was so uncomfortable. But that's how those people live sometimes due to the conditions, not because of the people themselves, but because of the government and the way it's formed. And I don't want to talk about politics, but just, you know, um, you know, going up north, things are different. It's a culture shock. So uh, it's differently. They're not as grateful, and it's great to uh, have what you have and uh, enjoy having the lights on, enjoy being able to watch television, watch wrestling, listen to podcasts like these, because, uh, you know, some people don't have it as good as we do. That's for sure. Yeah, so, right, and Jordan, and just just a couple of real quick questions because I know that your time is also kind of limited. Uh, we are talking about the ending of K Fade, and we're talking time. about kind of yeah, we're talking about you know the pros and cons of that, and part of it you know it's kind of led into the discussion of the WWE owning the trademarks for the names, and you had the situation with uh, Zelina Vega. Uh, Basically, not. I don't want to say she was fired from the WWE, but she was definitely go from her contract for the controversy surrounding her using her name on Twitch, and then uh, Paige, also known as um, Soraya, uh, her mm-hmm. getting involved as well. Yeah. So uh, I don't know uh, what your opinion is of all that. You think they maybe they should have something like a Screen Actors Guild because you know in a in a way they are actors but they're also athletes but the fact that they are doing you know a little bit of acting means they maybe they should have something like that what's your opinion on that well you know like back then when they were trying to protect the business you know it was a different time and right now i i'm always about that as a podcaster i'm one of those podcasters like protect the business unless i'm reaching press then whatever i'm sorry to say but it's true (laughs) um and that, that that takes a lot to do, you know, uh, any, I, I, I don't think I personally, looking back, I feel like I should have uh, had a few more years before I did that. And uh, I, I feel like I'm not skilled enough to reach that yet, but I'm grateful I did. And it's something good to look back on. It's like someone getting called up to the NHL, having one game, and then that's it. So I kind of just look at that as a something. Um, the thing is, is that people feed off of that now, and I'm one of them. Uh, people feed off certain ways to uh, expose the business and what they can, whether it's minor or small. Like, if I ask Dan Severn a question about the ministry and the Undertaker League, you know, that's exposing what was going on and everything and how it was orchestrated. So we all play a part in that. 
Um, but it's a different time, and uh, as much as I want to protect the business too, you know, it's not going to be 100% perfect because we're in 2020, not 1982. Right. So, Kyle, do you have any questions for Jordan? I do. We were having a discussion got, earlier. I don't know. Huh? Oh, I was saying, what you got? So we, I, I'm ready to answer your question. <laughs> we were having a discussion earlier, and there, there are several parts of this. Of the wrestlers sure. that you met on the Tony Candelo death tour, how many of them had actually been in the fight? Very good question. I re- that's actually a really good question. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, – on the death tour, there's one of the guys. This guy got in a lot of trouble at the end of the tour. And he, he got in a real fight, and the veteran, the biggest veteran, Massive Damage, got in a real fight. KB6 got in a real fight. Um, and then uh, one of our other wrestlers, Marissa – got in a real fight as well. Uh, I got a real fight only, like, twice, but if you really want to count it, that's, I, I guess. Um, not, nothing to brag about, though. I'm not the great... I'm not Mike Tyson, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, there are about... I'd probably say about five. Uh, and then, obviously, the promoter, Crony Candelo. God knows how many fights he's been in. I've heard, whole t- I heard tons of stories. And then our, our other... Uh, Ring uh, ring crew leader and just his assistant and helper, uh, Henry, uh, got in a lot of fights too. So uh, we had a tough crew. I was probably one of the guys on the crew that wasn't as tough and uh, as experienced and brittle and battered. And, you know, people had backup just in case that I would have failed and I wasn't ready. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of toughness involved. And the one thing I learned was mental toughness and uh, – it was. It's hard because when you're far away from home in the middle of nowhere, you, all you think about is wanting to go back home and having a nice big meal. And, uh, man, looking back, it was pretty crazy. But, yeah, there are a lot of guys there that could fight, that's for sure. Um, what was I going to say about Brandon, his KB6? I'm just going to say something. Um, there's an issue on the tour where there's a lot of arguing um, with Brandon. Brandon was one of those guys where he... He had an ego like me, sort of, probably um, bigger, and I don't try not to have that anymore, but Brandon had a really big ego. He was like two, three years younger than me, um, and he just, uh, one time there was a match where massive damage, he's a big boy, pretty well-established veteran, probably, I don't know, 240, 250, started calling them out at 400 pounds, naming the rate, uh, weights wrong, naming, like, the hometowns wrong. And uh, I remember there was the Battle Royal, and he got chopped to death, and he was selling his leg, which ended up being fake because when no, when no one was around, he wasn't limping. So I did all that helping him out and everything for nothing. And then I remember when one of the wrestlers asked him if he'd buy me a coffee because I love coffee. Um, he'd say, I wouldn't buy that kid shit. So, uh, I mean, uh, sorry, crap. So I wouldn't, I apologize. But, um, yeah, he was, he was not one of those good guys on the tour, but he got karma. He won't be allowed on one of those again, but it's just crazy how you meet people. Like I was rooming with him. We were totally fine. And then, you know, at the end of the tour, you know, people can change because it's, uh, has a lot of mental strength on, on you. So when you compare what you have been through 
with the current product on the WWE Network. How can a writer uh, never been... Go ahead, sorry. You're uh, on something how can good. How a writer <laughs> never been on a fight or a performer who's more feminine than my own wife project a combat sport like you've met Dan Severn I've trained with Dan Severn privately there's nothing fake about that man his his handshake could crush people oh it could and uh we did that interview, and he was he was a straight shooter, you know, and we we uh, got it right down out of the blue, not even go over anything, and it was a nice straight shoot, and uh, it was good to do so. It was an honor. So I would argue with Steve here, and have been for the last hour. <laughs> this he has. <laughs> it's actually the message, the storytelling, and the failure to develop real characters that has changed the business, not the kayfabe. So you're asking, like, with kayfabe, uh, what, sorry, what were you saying? So when you have a writer who's never been in a fight, trying to tell a yeah. story about why two women are having a wrestling match, and those people have never been in a fight. Have you ever tried yeah. to do a roll-up someone to win a fight? Uh, no, I don't think I've oh. ever done a roll-up to win a fight. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Or a suicide dive or a plancha. The only moves it's I did about- in a fight... Go ahead. <laughs> when you fight, it's punching, kicking. I, I have clotheslined someone to knock them out before. Um, I almost choked Sam Steve the day we met. Yeah, that's that's a true story. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll have to tell you that some other time, Jordan. Yeah, we're... But it, 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 the reason wrestling seems so different to us as old-time fans is because, one... Outside of Brock Lesnar, Steve's least favorite wrestler, <laughs> Bobby Lashley, and, and maybe a few others, there's not a single one I would be afraid of confronting in a bar if I went to one. Oh, wow. I would be afraid. That's for sure. <laughs> well, hey, Jordan, just to give you a little bit about Kyle's background, and this is actually more of a recent thing, uh, this past weekend, um, Kyle actually competed in a powerlifting competition and won. Uh, you, Kyle, you'll have to actually tell your actual accolades as far as like your weight class and things like that. I, I won my weight class and age group in the veterans division. Oh, wow. Good for you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I also train in mixed martial arts. I did, I did train as a professional wrestler. I, I tore my knee the first time. I hurt my neck the second time. And I did pursue it having a young child and a job already. It, it wasn't worth it 
for me at the time. It was something I wanted to do. Um, but as a character, when we did wrestling training, you took something that was inside you. Like, for me, I hate the state of Maryland. And still do. Mm-hmm. So to make Maryland yeah. people mad, I would get on a microphone and call them Eastern West Virginians. Mm-hmm. And West Virginia is an inbred hillbilly state in the United States, almost as bad as Arkansas and a few states in the South. But yeah. for some, I could make Maryland people mad by calling them Eastern West Virginians. And oh, okay. furthermore, I'm better than you because I'm not from here. And just all sorts of terrible things that would upset the microphone that I eat on mm-hmm. this family-friendly podcast. I am very gifted at making people mad. Yes, I've, I've been there. I've been part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you take a character, you have to answer as your example. He is what he is on the screen and in real life. Yeah. But uh, Seth Rollins is different on the screen than he would be in Iowa, where he's from. Oh, obviously, yeah, for sure. It's a character. Yeah. There's a... Because they have personal Twitter accounts and they perform whatever that's not them or a character that is not developed and not an amplification of who they are and they're disconnect. We can like we can like Mm -hmm. one not the other with the Maxwell Jacob and you can hate all parts of him yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I totally hear where you're coming from on that. And MJF definitely is a great talent, has a lot in the tank, and I look forward to seeing more of what he can generate. Whereas at a small time show, which we're big fans of the independent wrestling. They have their characters that they have created for themselves. And whatever that character happens to be, it's usually close to who they are and what they are. And they can tell a better story because they believe they believe in their character and what their character is. It, Hey, Kyle, you're kind of breaking up some, dude. Um, yeah, big time, bro. Oh, is it? Ah, oh, you're... It, okay. Um, oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Kyle's been a little, bit, a little sick over the past couple of days, so he's he's also kind of... He's pushing through this because he's, he's uh, kind of like all of us, you know, all three of us. You know, failure's not an option, and we just kind of push on through. Um, yeah, because, Jordan, yeah, I told you, I, you know, when Kyle and I met, you know, we were both in the Air Force at the time. Yeah, so Kyle's also a veteran, so yeah. he understands. You know, you got you got to push through. No, that's so, true every single day, right? Yes, sir. If, so. if you did not do your podcast, 
if you do not do a podcast, would you be proud to tell your friends and family that you are a wrestling fan with the way the product is right now? Good question. Uh, I feel like no, not really. With the way the product's going, like if I didn't have a podcast or anything to promote, I really wouldn't want to uh, uh, share my views on watching it. It'd just be something like I'd watch, like something on Netflix, like let's say a chick flick like Riverdale. It's just one of those shows where it's uh, it's a scene where it's not as strong as it used to be. You know, there's strides, like like the other day with Omega on Impact. You know, that's an example of a stride, but the overall product's not as what it used to be. Uh, not as passionate about it. Um, that's why I've been making my podcast have some non-wrestling stuff as well. But at the same time, I do have a big passion for the product, and I do uh, respect my loyal and respectable wrestling fan database on my podcast too, and I look forward to entertaining them, and I, I love the business. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to providing uh, as much wrestling news as I can. But as a fan, it's uh, not it's just not good as it used to be. Like so, uh, we were we were talking earlier. I judge re- the popularity of wrestling based on the children and the clothing that they wear. And I don't see too many kids with wrestling shirts where I live. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to see a kid with a a Bullet Club t shirt a couple years ago when that was really hot. But yeah. even the the clothing they produce, go to a house show or a independent show because I'm a fan. But as far as yeah. like buying a T-shirt, I don't want other people to know I'm a wrestling fan with some of the shirts that they are putting out right now. Even the clothing yeah, they sure. put out, it's not good. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you. That's for sure. Uh, well, one of the places, kind of ironically enough, I can kind of segue this. One of the places right now, uh, Kyle and and also Jordan, where you can buy a Bullet Club T-shirt is at a Northern Wrestling Federation show. Did, yes, did that you know is that, Jordan? Yep. Uh, yeah, I did. But uh, yep, because that's where this is where uh, Carl Anderson, I believe, is where he started. Uh, yeah, I think I believe it yep. is. Yep. So anyway, yeah, sorry, didn't didn't mean to interrupt y'all. That's a cool little. No, no worries. Is there anything but else you guys we, got for me tonight? What is your best rest memory as a fan? What? Your. Your most memorable wrestling memory as a fan? Uh, seeing Ring of Honor in Milwaukee. Oh, that would be so cool. What, what was it about that show? Just because of the venue, the history of it, and uh, everything along those lines. Hmm. So, Jordan, uh, real quick, and then we'll probably end up having to end the phone call. I mean, we really appreciate you calling because you've done so much for us. 
Uh, where can we find your podcast, and what is all your contact information? Because I know you are a very, very busy man. Yeah, uh, that's true. I am very, very busy, you know, always always, always running, always doing something. But um, you guys can listen to the Jordan Garber Now podcast every single Friday, uh, 5 p.m. Central on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I appreciate any and all fan feedback, anyone looking to become a sponsor or something, work with me, shoot me a message, we'll work something out. Uh, we've reached all the major wrestling sites. We look to do it again and follow me on my journey to doing that. Uh, you guys can listen to the show next Friday at 5 p.m. Central with our next big guest being Will All Day. And uh, who's the other one? Nico's Rico's. It should be a great show next Friday, which is tomorrow. <laughs> and thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, Jordan. Um, and we got we need to schedule another interview for your podcast as well, and we definitely got to have you back on ours whenever we can because I know uh, your work schedule is pretty grueling, and 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 I know this was really taking some time out of your day, and we certainly appreciate it. No problem at all. You know, I'm going to be free during the days starting next week um, as opposed to the evening, so definitely give me some more time to talk about wrestling and not have to do podcasts after uh, having a big, long day at work when they're I'm purposely overworking you. So I, I apologize in, for that in advance. But uh, it was an honor to do the interview, and I look forward to being on again. Hopefully, I can talk about more, uh, way more. All right, brother. And, and remember, normally we're on, on normally we're doing it on Mondays, but this week because I was sick Monday, that's why we pushed it back to today. Um, and next Monday oh, okay. we're going to have a show. Yeah, next Monday we're also going to have a show, even though I am actually going to be in Orlando. But we are still going to at least try to have a show. If we can't, we'll figure out something. But we're planning on having a show next Monday as well. So, but all right, dude. Uh, awesome. Man, you take care and go get go get some sleep, man. Because you're busy. You need some rest. Yeah, I'm gonna get some sleep. That's for sure. I appreciate your guys' help, <laughs> and uh, you guys have a great day. God bless you all. All right. Awesome. God bless you there, Jordan. We'll see you, dude. All right. So that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you finally got to well somewhat meet Jordan. Yeah, he's he's actually been helping us out quite a bit. Uh, he's been sharing our links. Uh, he's interviewed me twice, and I know both times uh, it was kind of last minute, and we were hoping to get you on too. But I know one time you were out with the family, and the other time I don't remember. I think you were training, which your training obviously paid off because I've seen that picture of you with that medal. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to actually send. I'm going to, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to steal one of your pictures, and I'm actually going to send it to Jordan so he can. See you with the medal, if you don't mind. <laughs> no problem. I uh, I think one day you ha- have to get him on to talk about the uh, Tony Gandello death tour. Yes, that would be. You know, what a story I think that would be because if anybody has never heard of this, because when he was first telling me about it. Uh, the first time he interviewed me, and I'd actually already I'd listened to a couple of his episodes, his podcast, and you know, just kind of getting um, kind of a feel about who he was. I was like, okay, this guy definitely knows his stuff. I was like, okay, so he's actually been involved with the business, obviously. And then when well, he started with the death tour, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh my, yeah, you definitely cannot be a weakling and try to go on this tour because no. you're going, yeah, you're going up on these roads that are only roads during the winter time. We're talking ice road trucker type roads. 
And like you said, I mean, you might be sleeping under a, a desk in a classroom. Is what it's is that what you kind of grasped? Yeah, if they they break the rough, roughest conditions because of where they're. I want to say they go up to Indian reservations up there, and to towns that you can only hit during the winter, during the most miserable conditions. That that tour has made wrestlers of legends. That's always something in the discussion. We, although the product is not tremendously great right now, the ability of the wrestlers has increased dramatically since kayfabe was pronounced dead the athleticism and the the performances that are put on um, are have been unbelievable. Like some of the things people can do are things we couldn't imagine as kids when we were first wrestling fans. And the difference are the difference in the art form is the selling are the it's the selling of the moves which in turn is the telling of the story exactly and, and that that's that's the big difference they're in such a rush to get to the next planned spot that the art of the storytelling or the fight, the conflict between two people or four people or whatever. Um, I watched Force Center Sunday morning, uh, excuse me, Monday morning, because NXT TakeOver was Sunday. What was on Sports Center? Can you guess? Was it takeover? Pat McAfee doing two dives off the top of the War Games cage. And you know, now, I I actually have not watched it unfortunately. And normally I do watch the pay per views, um, but because of that same whatever it was that migraine that just took me down Monday had actually started Sunday, so I didn't watch the pay per view, and I also did not watch Raw Monday night, which is a rarity for me. But anyway, I'm sorry, continue on. But it's how is it that the man is able to climb the cage twice to do a moonsault and a suicide dive in a War Games match? And then when you go to the highlights, uh, you see in the women's War Game match, Io Shirai. Mm-hmm. puts a trash can around her, puts a trash can around her body and does a dive, the same dive with the trash can on her into the women's match. It, it's it's a spot. It's not something that organically happens or it's, hey, I can do a dive off the top of the cage. 
Right. It's all turning into big spot fests. And that's how they're – I don't know – because obviously, you know, we're not on the inside. And I don't even know if Jordan um, would be able to even answer this because he's not part of the WWE necessarily. But are the same writers who are writing the storylines and, and obviously the promos because the promos – almost sound like they couldn't be anything but scripted. Are they the same ones who are developing the matches or is that the wrestlers or is that an agent who's actually maybe telling them, okay, do these moves? I mean, and that honestly, I I can't see, hopefully they would let them have a little bit of their own creative control actually in the ring, but it's almost to the point where if they miss a spot, they don't know how to react to it. Right. But is that training that just for... I don't think they know anything outside of what they're told to create in the WWE system. Right. And that's what I was trying to get to saying earlier was... When they're not at, um, right now, the Thunderdome, which, by the way, yeah, I told you my debacle with that uh, this past uh, Friday, where they said, showtime, call time, 8 o'clock, and I still couldn't get in. So I'm about done with that. I don't even know if I'm going to try that anymore, because that was even more of a disappointment. But anyway... The Thunderdome has actually been moved out to Tampa, but Tampa's not really not that far away from Orlando. You're talking maybe an hour, hour and a half drive. And so everybody's kind of based around Orlando. All the NXT people, they were already staying in Orlando anyway, for the most part. And so when everything got moved indoors, they're not doing traveling because of COVID. They're all right there. So even the main roster folks are also right there. You know, they might be traveling, but they might as well just get themselves an apartment or a house in or around Orlando. So they're all right there. So they're all going to the performance center and they're all doing the same things. And that to me is also hurting them. And I don't know if kayfabe necessarily or the ending of kayfabe necessarily is maybe the root cause of all that in a way, because I think some of this would have happened regardless of, of the pandemic. But, you know, and this is one of the negative things about the ending of kayfabe, and I do have some positives about it, you know, that I will uh, actually throw out there, Um, some things that never could have happened, some good things that never would have happened had kayfabe still been a thing. Final argument for the state of wrestling and why kayfabe is not the reason is – in the shape it is, it actually has to do with the man that ended kayfabe. I don't think Vince McMahon is in touch with anything that is cool anymore. I will half agree, half disagree. And I'll say Vince McMahon is not in touch with anything that is cool. But take the word anymore and throw it out. Vince McMahon has never really been in touch with anything that is to be considered cool. He's never been one for 
pop culture, and if you listen to a lot of the interviews of people that you talk, talked about him, they, they actually had to explain certain things to him uh, that are big in pop culture or have been big in pop culture. So Vince McMahon, he's kind of in his, I guess, his own world, his own bubble, and they they say the man's a, a beast when it comes to working. You know, he will he will be up at one, two, three o'clock in the morning working. But the problem is, if he calls you, he also expects you to be ready, you know, to talk to him and answer him at one, two, three o'clock in the morning. So his work schedule is very grueling. But Vince McMahon, when it comes down to it, if you really look at his his background, the way he grew up in Havelock, North Carolina, and he did not have a great upbringing. No. And when he finally found out who his actual biological dad was, because he was known as Vince Lupton, which was one of his stepdad's names. You know, Nosa said multiple stepdads. His mom was married apparently quite a bit. But when he found out that his biological dad was his promoter from the Northeast, how Vince McMahon was born in Pinehurst, North Carolina, the same place I was born, I'd still like to actually, if I ever meet Vince McMahon, I'm going to ask that. How were you born in Pinehurst? Anyway, and he decided he wanted to be in that business too. Vince McMahon was not a wrestling fan. And even though he especially was not a North Carolina wrestling fan. And if you notice even the product now, he does not want it to be Southern. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he got a business degree from East, uh, East Carolina university and Linda also, uh, same place. They both graduated from East Carolina. So armed with that, I mean, and he really, his dad gave him the one shot. Okay, if you can turn around this particular, and it wasn't even a wrestling thing, and it was uh, this arena, I believe, up like in Maine, that they had not turned a profit in God knows how long. Well, VKM managed to actually turn a profit, and so he kind of let him more and more in. It was when Vince Sr., passed away, and Vince Jr. had already taken over uh, what was known as Titan Sports at the time. He had already taken it over, but he started pushing it nationwide because he didn't want to just, you know, run a successful business in the Northeast. He wanted to push the whole thing nationwide, but for him it wasn't, I want to push a wrestling business nationwide, and of course now worldwide because people think wrestling, they think WWE first and foremost – it was whatever the business happened to be. Right. You know, if it, yeah, so, I mean, if it was roller derby, he was going to push that nationwide. You know, if it was boxing, he was going to push his company nationwide. I mean, so that's what it was in for him. And so eventually when he did say, okay, we are not a traditional sport, it was more about the money, which, by the way, I found out there are some states that still make – the wrestlers, um, they are still part of the athletic commission, even though it is a work. Kentucky's one of them. And I found that out from talking to people who well, have been affiliated with the NWF. It's all about the money. Right. And so, they're, I mean, they're getting huge paydays now. Well, at least in the 
the WWE, I don't know about AEW. I would assume AEW was until they had to back off you know, because of COVID. Uh, I'm not sure about Impact or Ring of Honor, but I'm going to guess that their paydays aren't too shabby. You know, they may not be on the same scale as the other two, especially WWE, but they have some names there, some, you know, big names. The hard thing. Um, like I said, independent wrestling, great, support your local independent wrestling organization. The, the main products, they start with the wrestler, they push them for a couple weeks, then they stop. They just throw matches on TV. There's no real reasons why. And I think that goes along not just with character development, that goes with storyline development. And maybe we do sound like a couple of, you know, old farts out of touch with present-day stuff, but we're also looking at the, the current product that out of an industry that we both love, you know, and like I said, I felt, I mean, in the past, I have felt a lot of favor with it, you know, here and there for different reasons. Uh, some may have been just because I just didn't have access to it because of where I was at. Um, but then other reasons was because of stuff that I was seeing that I was like, okay, I'm not digging this, but I always came back to it. And I would always read about it online, you know, once the internet was a thing. And we're watching this product. On one hand, the WWE, and this was happening, like I said, before COVID, their ratings for Raw every single week were the worst ever, which means that this week, the worst they'd ever been. Next week was even worse. Then the week after that was even worse than that. And the week, their ratings were just dropping by a lot. And when you, if you were to try to tell them why – it's almost like they wouldn't listen, and that's why we have this podcast called Armchair Booking because we, we're we seeing things from the outside, and even right now we can look, and it's not that we know more than them. This is just our opinions, you know, and I, I think that you and I both have pretty strong opinions about this because we have been fans for so long, and we actually do our research. We're not just smart marks, you know right. what I'm saying? And right now, um, and some of this will have to probably wait until the pandemic is over and actually start getting people in the arenas again, you know, to actually watch the product. But the competition from AEW is a good thing. Now AEW might be doing some joint ventures with Impact. That's also a good thing. And I don't know where Ring of Honor falls into play here. You know, it's not – this man does not like having competition, and that's because of this man, the person. You know, and this is just – like I said, this is my opinion, and I'm not a Dave Meltzer by any stretch. Um, but it's just my opinion, just seeing what we see and reading what we read. And if they really want to – 
kind of bring some of the stuff back, they need to actually develop these stories to last longer than three weeks, not just, okay, the raw right after one pay-per-view until the next pay-per-view, which might be three weeks later, four weeks later. And then, like you've said uh, several times, and and it makes sense, the 50-50 booking. You know, if we're going to go watch a football game, which games are you going to want to watch? Are you going to want the two teams that are that are 500, or do you want to watch the the game where one team is either undefeated or, or damn near undefeated? You know, kind of like the against the Steelers, which I haven't even kept up with the NFL this year. But uh, I guess the Steelers lost their first game this um, past Monday, right? To the Washington football team. Yeah, to the to a team that doesn't even have a name. But because the Steelers are undefeated, people are going to want to watch them. If they had two teams on Monday Night Football that were 500, they're not going to get much of an audience outside of those particular fans. You know, I mean, if you had a choice, which which would you rather watch? And the same goes with wrestling. Even if it is a work, you're going to want to see the ones who are winning and winning and winning. And and I know you you know you say Brock Lesnar you know all, um, we had the joke that he's not my favorite I mean but, but Brock Lesnar I mean he is legitimately tough and people would watch him and it's not even because he was winning it's because they wanted to see him lose um, it was how he was being portrayed some of the stuff was kind of obnoxious in my opinion that's that's that to me was kind of a turn off a little bit. Uh, but I know you liked it, and I'm not judging you for liking it because you like what you like, and that's how life is. But but I think if they were to actually look at, let's develop these stories for longer because some of these feuds can last a long time, and maybe you don't have to have a pay-per-view every single month. Have the big four. If you want to throw King of the Ring back in there, have your big five, but four mathematically – makes more sense because NXT has that right with the takeover schedule. Yes. Because that, that is about every, well, it, are they doing it like every three months now? Every two and a half, three months, they're doing a show. Um, they're doing a few more themed events on Wednesday night, obviously could, to compete with AEW. Um, but takeovers are spread out a little bit, but I think before you get into the stories, you can't tell stories without developing characters, right? And they don't have them. They have wrestlers. They do not have characters. Well, but here's the flip side of that. If you ever heard Jim Cornette talk about Johnny B. Bad and yeah. why – have you ever heard him um, – really, it was Jim Cornette and his just absolute hatred of Sable. But you can't talk about Sable without talking about Mark Merrow, and you can't talk about Mark Merrow without mentioning Johnny B. Bad. He said when Johnny B. Bad was being trained at the WCW power plant, he was not being trained 
to be a wrestler. He was being trained to be Johnny B. Bad. And, right. you know, of course, then he left. And, and I know you, you've, you've heard the story several times. You already know, but I'm kind of doing this for the benefit of uh, some of our listeners who may not already know the story. Because I know at least one. Hi, Ethan. Giving you a shout-out. So when you hear this at work, you better tell me you heard, you heard me give you a shout-out. Um, when he – when Mark Merrill or Johnny B. Bad left WCW, went to WWF in 1996, I believe. They wanted Johnny B. Bad, but they did not own the rights for Johnny B. Bad, and so instead they got Mark Merrill, marvelous Mark Merrill, who I always thought was black, and then turned out to know that was a lot of tanning pills. Yeah, but he pulled it off pretty good. But they liked Sable better, and they couldn't do much with Mark Merrill, and he didn't know how to be anything but Johnny B. Bad. But he couldn't be Johnny B. Bad, and that's where they failed. And so that's what I'm saying as far as like developing characters, develop the wrestler first, then you know let's come up with a character because you got to make sure they can perform in the ring first. Because if you could have a character all day long. Okay, give a good example for that. Uh, Enzo Amore. Great character. Great talker on the mic. In-ring ability? Kind of lacking. Uh, He was functional. That was about it. And he, he, yeah, he was functional. And, of course, his backstage stuff that you hear about was really what got him... um, you know, in, in his current situation now, you know, which is not in the WWE. But he but he was more of a, a character. Now, granted, he was also that character outside the ring, apparently. But the wrestler himself was not developed yet. Because when you look at somebody like a Mark Calloway, who now knows as The Undertaker, how many different characters did he have before – he was the undertaker. Yeah. And, but the wrestler was always there. Look at Glenn Jacobs, even in just in the WWE alone, he was Isaac Yankum. And then, which the character itself was horrible. Nobody was going to buy into it. They're like really an evil dentist. Okay. Then the fake diesel Everybody should know that wasn't going to go over very well. And then they made him Kane, the Undertaker's brother. And everybody lo- and loves that character. Now he's been Kane for the past, you know, just over 20 years. But the wrestler was always still there. But it's a bad character development. And that's another thing. Bad character development, they're also not going to care about how good the wrestler is necessarily. But because his wrestling skill kept him there, they're like, "Look, he's a good—he's a good hand. Let's keep him around. Find something else for him." So they got to figure out how to develop both. Then, okay, now you got to have a reason for them to be in a, in the ring opposite this guy or this tag team in the other corner. You know, right? What? You know, what is the reason why they're there? Well, this guy has—he's a champion. By the way, that's another thing. Stop treating the titles as props. Treat them like they mean something. World champion in boxing means something. World champion in basketball means something. Football means something. Even the number one ranking in tennis means something. Don't say whether they're the world champion, but yeah, it's just a strap that they're holding. Yeah, you win the strap. 
No, the world champion is supposed to be the number one person in your company. The next level down, the Intercontinental or U.S., depending on which brand you're on, is supposed to be like the number one contender for the world title. And so they're theoretically the number two person. Start, you know, that's a reason for having a match. Then you have other ones. Um, yeah, and some of these can almost seems like out of left field. Jimmy Valiant and Paul Jones, they started the feud because Paul Jones and the Assassins cut Jimmy Valiant's beard. He wants revenge. That's something else. They can have a reason for a match. This thing, and, you know, even without watching Raw, you know this happens every week where they, two guys will have a singles match. The next thing you know, there's somebody else joining them, interfering. They're like, well, wait a minute. We're going to have a tag team match, and it's going to start right now. Right after like, this? Right after this break. And during the match, we're also going to have commercials. And this is also following a 20-minute-long 20, 20 promo that nobody cares about. This shows with a 20-minute-long promo. They need to cut that out. You know, you don't need 20 minutes to literally tell me all these things. Tell me in the ring. Anyway, uh, my rants, I'm, I'm calming down. It's your turn. No, I'm kind of done. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and I think just real quick, an uh, an idea for a future episode. Um, why we like wrestling, basically like a wrestling apologist, because even though we're not exactly enamored with the current product, we still love the business. And we have still defended our love of the business, not necessarily current product, but of the business itself and why we like it and why we've always come back to it even when we left it for a little bit. But it's to have these kind of discussions like what we're having right now, a discussion which I know this has been about six months in the making because we've been doing this for about six months now. Can you believe that? I actually can't, no. Uh, let me feel like this. We are on. This is episode number twenty-seven, and and that's well, that's also including the pilot episode and the one fifteen-minute-long episode I did to make some announcements. Um, but yeah, so actually, yeah, six months. So about twenty-seven weeks now. So about half a year, you know, and half of the most glorious year ever, twenty twenty. And we were talking about doing this even before COVID, so uh, COVID in a way kind of worked to our advantage because nobody's going anywhere. So we're able to do more research except for when I didn't do research, and you could tell, and that's totally my fault. So anyway. Um, but overall, a, a good discussion on kayfabe and what's going on with wrestling right now. Um, and I thought we were going to have another caller, but unfortunately she is not going to be able to call in, but that would be, um, Miss Selena Dean, me Selena Dean. And that's unfortunate. We will have to try to schedule something with her because she's also very busy because she, uh, does have another job outside of wrestling. And I know that, you know, Hey, you got to pay the bills. So, yep. But I'm looking forward to the day when we can have her on. I'm actually going to message her back right now. Just going to tell her, hey, you know what? No worries. 
Well, no worries. We'll get it. But while you're talking about that week, we are going to be talking about Florida wrestling, and it's on the wrestling business. Yes, that would be next week. And the reason why we're going to be talking about Florida because and uh, I am going to be in Orlando with my family. And we are going to be doing spending some time at Disney World, and we are going to be spending some time at Universal. And if anybody has, is listening has never been there and wants to go, just actually something else hit me up. And my wife actually is a – she's a travel agent. And she specializes in Disney, and I can tell you that she will definitely hook you up because she did that for you and your family a couple years ago, didn't you, Kyle? Yes, she did. Tremendous travel. So, yeah, but just let us know. And right now, I don't know if I should do the name of the company just yet because we're actually – my wife is going to talk to basically the owner of the company to make sure it's all right before I start throwing their name out there. That's a kind of a legality thing, just kind of covering all bases. But in the same meantime, though, I mean, if, if anybody wants to just contact me, and I'll get you in touch with her. And you can actually contact me through the uh, the Armchair Booking Podcast at Gmail. That's one way you just send me an email, and I will uh, get you in touch with her. So anyway, um, well, Kyle, since it appears like we're not going to have any callers, and I know I've kept you up quite a while, and this is actually longer than our normal show. Uh, I'm looking forward to next week's show, talking about Florida, and we will, we will have a schedule try to, to the same time at 8.30 Monday night. Uh, this week was kind of an anomaly because of me either being dehydrated or something, or just having a plain old migraine. Thankfully, it's finally, mostly, I, I feel a little bit of a twinge of it, mostly gone away. But Sunday night and Monday night, whoo, it knocked me down. That's what I'm saying. I didn't even watch Raw, and that's a rarity for me. Well, safe track week. As you go down, I hope you guys enjoy your trip. Yep, yep, we are flying down this time, not driving. Because it takes us two days to drive down, two days to drive back. So this time we are actually flying. Um, and I will – Definitely be talking with you as much as what I can. So uh, next week's episode ought to be interesting. <laughs> because definitely going to be winging it. But I'm going to be in Florida enjoying you know the nice 70 degree weather instead of the the 30 degree weather I had here today. I'm jealous. I will not be leaving the house for a little bit. But no, you will not. But hey, that's a story for also for another day. Unless you want to tell it now. Nope. All right. Cool. No storytelling, folks. But anyway, right. Kyle. All right, buddy. I will talk at you later. All right, man. All right. See ya.